Hey lovers, this is Dr. Candace Nicole with How to Love a Human. You can follow me and the How to Love a Human project on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candace Nicole and howtolovehuman.com where I welcome your contribution to the conversation. Today, I'm dialoguing with Della, and I want to welcome all you lovers out there to join me on this journey to find out how to love a human. Hey everyone, today on How to Love a Human, I am with Della V. Mosley, counseling psych doctoral candidate and scholar activist in the movement for black lives. Hey Della. Hey. How so you doing? Good. I'm happy to have you here. I start with my non-researchy question first. Okay. So are you feeling human or half human as fuck today? Mm-hmm. Today I am feeling, I think I'm feeling human today. Uh, yeah. What's the difference for you? How do you know human versus half? Oh, I love the half. <laughs> <laughs> half. Half is almost like, I think, the norm, mm-hmm. you know? Or, I, I don't know, a good day for me is feeling human. Like, walking, so I just moved over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I walked to, to, to work to campus for the first time today, and... I don't always I feel like I'm rarely acknowledged by most white passerbys mm. or looked in the face or getting that smile or whatever. And I got several of those today. And so mm. I'm feeling human today. Wow. So the acknowledgement, yeah. just being seen. Being seen. It made a difference. It made morning. a difference. Yeah. From half to human. Wow. Yeah. That's real. That like it. people will walk around you. Yes. And, and make no eye contact. No eye contact. No hint no, of affirmation. Nothing. Nonverbal nothing. Nothing. Just an intentional, like, I can't connect with you. I don't want to connect with you. But. What do you think made the difference today? Mm. I don't know. Maybe just being in a new, maybe it's where I have been before or mm-hmm. in this space. Um, so, like, on this floor of where I work, and, and I feel like I can be, I'm seen and but outside of this building or this space um, on campus, I haven't felt that, but I haven't mm-hmm. been on this path or this area. So who knows what's different over there mm-hmm. or maybe it's just a morning or I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. I hope yeah. that you get more of that yeah. as you walk to work and it warms up. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so share with me your most salient identities. Who are you? Mm-hmm. I am black <laughs> and that's important for me. Um, woman, bi, um, saving identities right now is definitely student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, middle class or from class privilege, mm-hmm. you know, that's very As I'm moving toward the end of this program and thinking about next steps and like been reconnecting with different people and just lately just from home mm-hmm. um, who were at the same places. I've been thinking a lot about the class differences and how the privilege I, that I got to be here. And How did they come up in that you begin to think about them? Uh, so I'm getting married and mm-hmm. I was talking to some of my high school friends who are, um, you know, in Rockford doing good things and taking care of family, but also had like big, you know, we have big dreams together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so just talking about like, the choices and sacrifices that they made and the choices and options that I had, places where I didn't have to sacrifice. Um, I don't know. I'm able to see how, just how blessed and privileged and 
I was and that some of it was me and a lot of it wasn't me and that became yeah just kept coming up a lot with those options made the difference absolutely wow options made a huge difference um parents yeah working and being there to show me options or having Mm -hmm. people around Mm -hmm. them who could give me options and show me other ways and models that this one particular person I'm thinking of definitely didn't have yeah made a huge difference Mm -hmm. And it seems like, from what I know about you, you like to present those options to people now yes. as much as you can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. Modeling is everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and exposure is everything. Yes. So you talked about salient identities as black, mm-hmm. as woman, mm-hmm. as bi, as middle class. Any other ones that stand out to you? Mm-hmm. Um, able-bodied. um, and um, cisgender and um, overweight and um, what makes the salient ones stand out yeah. above the others? Um, so black, I feel like, encompasses everything right now that mm-hmm. I'm doing my work, my interactions when I'm teaching is just racist yeah unavoidable mm-hmm. um and what does it mean to be black though like if you're talking black mm-hmm. as the most salient identity the one you said first mm-hmm. what does it mean to be black mm-hmm. for you for me mm. it means um I don't know being part of like being part of something mm-hmm. big Something big. Being part of something big. Being part of legacy. It's like just seeing generations and ancestors and like that. And so responsibility is like an undercurrent that is tied to race for me. Like I can't, you know, separate the two really. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a history, a legacy. mm -hmm. And with, and... With an awareness of that legacy of responsibility. Mm, okay, responsibility. Uh, and just an urgency with the climate that race is so salient for brown folks. Well, brown folks of different races mm-hmm. everywhere, especially in America and across the globe. And so it's like, yeah. Race. Does blackness for you connect you to brown? Mm. Yes, I mm-hmm. think so. Struggle. Blackness is struggle. Mm-hmm. Black for me is mm-hmm. struggle, and brown is struggle, and there's a connection, and a, I think there, um, although, man, it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing my dissertation on Black Lives Matter activists and how they woke up and um, came to the movement, and hearing some coding some narratives recently of people who are talking about just, you know, um, oppression, you know, anti-blackness within Dominican culture, Mm, anti-blackness within, um, within other groups that they're also a part of and, or, um, oh, so someone who's mixed and, and just dealing with, you know, anti-blackness from the black, the black parent. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's tied to struggle. Um, and I think it connects us to, to struggles of other brown folks. Uh, I feel that 
I feel connected to other people who are oppressed, period. Mm -hmm. But I know that it, you know, we're all individuals and, right. and the way that it's experienced is going to be different. Because the way I understand it is there are some people who recognize oppression as multifaceted and connected mm -hmm. and some people who recognize a salient and maybe specific oppression yeah. that they hold and don't see that as in any way tied to yeah. other folks oppression or the way they oppress others yes and in fact do some real damage in yes acting out oppressions that they can act out to distance themselves from any further marginalization absolutely like hard work absolutely Absolutely, and it's like that uh, breaks my heart the most. I it, think. It's sad. It is sad, and it's like, what is missing? You know, I don't know. What does it? Well, we know it does it, right? So it's maybe this. Un what does it take to be aware of the thing that does it? Mm -hmm. And that's what would maybe stop it, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that, if people or what competition team? is white supremacy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> name it, patriarchy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we don't understand that white supremacy is the problem and then we then be able to connect on the way that it structures us differently, mm -hmm. um, then, yeah, we'll be in competition with each other. But if we can understand the way that particularly white supremacy mm -hmm. and patriarchy and heterosexism and yeah. whatever, um, work all against us, isms. all them isms work against us, then we can, like, I don't know, stop getting caught up in the mess or, I don't know, getting distracted. Mm-hmm getting disconnected there's a real desperation in internalized depression that mm -hmm. i notice i don't know if you experienced that as especially as you're thinking about this topic very broadly yes with all types of activists like yes. the desperation of internalized depression is if i just it, yes and i'm willing to and i'm nice. willing to if, then maybe i won't yeah be oppressed yeah then maybe I'll feel a little bit better in mm -hmm. this way or in this space for this moment. Mm -hmm. Or where do they? Or do people actually? I don't know because I'm, you know, as someone who's definitely struggled with internalized racism. Like I'm trying to think, what, what that was for me. Mm -hmm. Take your time. Mm. Yeah, like a. Uh, desperation is def it does feel like the right word it's like a you're just seeking safety period like mm -hmm. and I'm desperate for it and and I'll take this and I'll and I'll stay at the surface level interpretation of what this safety is mm. um, in order to to have that because what's my other option mm -hmm. you know? yeah. yeah so what about things like spiritual identity mm -hmm. um some other identities that you may not have named initially I think you named a wide variety of them but that was the one I don't uh -huh. think I heard I am I see myself as spiritual not religious mm -hmm. um, and I guess I feel like that it, it is salient in that part of that transition or like from being Baptist growing up Baptist and Christian um, to questioning Christianity and just mm -hmm. learning just all sorts of critical consciousness and questioning the ways that we that we operate and mm -hmm. the ways that we believe. I think a lot of that started, like I had to question Christianity first and, mm -hmm. and some of those beliefs um, in order to open up the rest. And I think that 
my spirituality is like God is love mm-hmm. um, and that we're all interconnected and that you know the energy we put out in the world does something mm-hmm. and so we have to so we, there's again back to responsibility mm-hmm. with how, you know how what we put out but yeah and it's not and I guess being away from family where um, my family is you know, Baptist and Christian and mm-hmm. and their religion is more salient. I can like it doesn't come up for me as much. It's just gotcha. like you know, me and my partner believe the same and it's not something that's like a it's not a about a religious practice and so it comes up in our lives because we're talking love, we're mm-hmm. doing love, you know. But it doesn't feel like it has to be associated with this specific sect of religion. Right. Yeah. It's like love is just what we want to be about. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any other identities? And maybe what they mean to you. Because you talked about what social class has meant. You talked about what yeah. blackness has meant. Yeah. You mentioned being overweight, but able-bodied. You mentioned mm-hmm. being cis. Gosh. Um, being so the woman is one mm-hmm. that you know silent and I didn't talk about what it means to me and I mean I think you, you, I can, it's hard to tease them apart mm-hmm. being and not that they need to be teased woman. about apart yeah. it means me a lot right so my intersectionality those all those things together has meant um I like this question, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Dig it in, you know, yeah, take your time. I think it's been um, different in different places. And here in Kentucky, or like for this last five years of my life, I feel like this intersection has meant for me responsibility. It's meant um, responsibility tied to blackness. Also, like, um, a responsibility to, like, educate around um um, sexism and like women's rights and freedom and agency and um I don't know just like being coming here five years ago and being a part of a group I think it's about being um no, being something different than mm-hmm. or doing different or doing better or fighting constantly fighting I guess is really mm-hmm. the doing different it's like learning to see the patriarchy learning to see the sexism learning to see and and to speak or do something about um, you say constantly fighting mm-hmm. yeah that's that same woman <laughs> um, went out story that comes to mind at the intersection two black overweight queer women in academia going out and like just going out to dinner in this city in my first year Mm -hmm. or maybe the start of my second year and having like these back-to-back experiences so we go out and have a decent dinner but we leave there and we're going to go to another uh, place nearby and have a drink and uh, we get stopped. No, we walk into the first place, and there's like a group of guys who are probably drunk or whatever. We're the only black people mm-hmm. in the space. They're playing hip hop music, and that's what we were like. Maybe we should go in here. We don't know where to go. Maybe we should go in here. They're playing hip hop, and um, 
and you walk in and see a room full of people like literally at the point in the song where they're saying nigga or something mm. and they say it and I'm like at the whole room of white people saying it and then this group of white guys like simulate like they're jacking off on us and we like wait a minute what we walk into this bar there's a bar on the right side dance floor straight to the back people kind of lined up on the left side there's like a bar ledge and no seats and and there's a good number of people over there in this group of guys who are over there. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what they said, but they said, oh, and something. And they're talking to each other. And then they turn to us, and one of them just goes on and on and is like, simulate like he's pulling this thing out and jacking off on us. <laughs> and then one of his friends grabs him and pulls him back. And, we're, and no one else says anything. One of his friends grabs him and pulls him back, and it's observed by other folks. And That's disgusting, disgusting. and absurd. And, Right, so, like, okay, is this some just drunk fluke mess, or what is this? But has that been an experience you've ever had before? No. What were you guys, what were you (laughs) feeling in that moment? Mortified. Oh. Mortified. Angry. Also, like, um, so I've said I'm... I'm baby black feminist becoming to this uh, black woman professor. I'm like, what is thinking about what what is my what should my reaction be? So mm-hmm. I'm also like in this heady space of like, you know, what how do you protect yourself? Mm-hmm. And does protecting and what does that mean in this moment? Does mm-hmm. it mean acting out against others? Um, attending to the person that I'm with or going inward and doing something for myself just like what I think it was just a lot and mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with it and I don't know if she did either and we just yeah. quickly left and before we can get down a block it can <laughs> before we can get down a block we are um, approached by a guy from behind us who's trying to catch up with three people ahead of us um, and he's like oh, hey, something about, like, you beautiful black woman. Can you guys, that's my girlfriend up there. Can you guys teach my girlfriend how to twerk? Same night. Me and a professor. Oh, that doesn't exist. And I'm a doc student. (laughs) We're not exempt. But these black bodies, that's what we can teach you. Not that we teach other classes, but we can teach you how to twerk. No, because we came here to twerk. We came here to twerk. That's what we came here for. Wow. And we came here to perform for you at your beck and call. Yes, of course. Oh. So there's such complication in that because you couch it in you beautiful black woman, beautiful black woman, and then you reduce it to can you shake your ass for me exactly and help my girlfriend perform black womanhood for me, for me. because I think it's attractive yeah but I don't want it from you right and that's all you're worth in this moment. And I have the space, the comfort, the whatever to come to you and that, like, just to approach. I'm free to ask you to shake your ass for me. Yeah. On a public street. Yeah. And this isn't late night. Like, we've had a dinner at, like, 7 o'clock. So maybe it's 8.30 and we're going to go next door to have a drink at another bar. So yeah. Two in one. Two in one. And then it gets worse. So no, we finally, we're about to go. It's the last piece of the story. So this is just, like, yeah. I don't know. This is my Lexington and my black womanhood right in this space. Um, and then we go into, so we finally, I'm like, well, there's one place that I know. It's usually older crowd. It's usually diverse. It's okay. Let's try this. So we go there and, and it's okay. And we sit down and we get a drink and we finally get to talk some more. And, um, and then there's like a group of girls near us, a group of white women, probably in their 20s, um, celebrating something. 
and this girl comes over and she's like asked us to get up and, and if she wants to dance with them or whatever like I'm like that's sweet you know but now we're good you know we're just talking catching up and then and think nothing of it and then she goes out to the dance floor she dances and her and her friends continue on and she comes back and she asks us again and I don't know what we, or she's like oh yeah my um my friend is DJing so he'll play whatever you want I can if there's something you want me to ask him to play if you want to come you know come party or whatever um and we're like no we're good and then she comes back a third time and she finally says um well I just think I would look so cool with my friends if I was dancing with you black with black black girls or black women or something but it was about our blackness and her looking cool and this she needed your bodies to legitimize her cool in this yes yes goodness yes so so I'm really grateful that you're still here (laughs) hmm that's a lot in one day. In one day. Yeah, and that other professor is still here too. I don't know. But yeah. So how did you continue to um, exist here? Oh, I shut down definitely after that for a while. And it was, um, you know, thank, thank you, Bell Hooks, mm-hmm. <laughs> for your lessons on the power of your home and, mm-hmm. and creating sanctuary in your home. And I did that. And and had other people who did that and found some safe black spaces or some spaces safe for my blackness um, and stuck to those. And that was it. So black woman and black woman, I th- feel like there's a lot unspoken in this story mm-hmm. that we could just look at each other and mm-hmm. be like, and that's why that was a problem. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if you could articulate why any of those, you can choose one or the yeah. the trifecta of it yeah, and name why that felt for me I'm experiencing as traumatic damage like mm-hmm. that's harm yes it was and I'm wondering if you could speak to what that was for you for me some of it was like um, so I had you know uh, what's the line you know you're whatever will not save you, your respectability will not save you, that just became um, so real and loud for me and undeniable. Um, like, I'm like, I'm getting my doctorate and mm-hmm. I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm just a good black girl, you know, mm-hmm. and but, and you see me in this way. Um, so to be reduced to body to be reduced to a particular body um that that was a huge piece of it mm. uh, like having it having that situation happen while I'm at the highest point that I've been mm. educationally and in, in ways that you should be viewed in terms of like being respected by these people who were just, you know were disrespectful as mm-hmm. fuck um That was really loud, I think, because of how early it was. And I'm with a, a professor, like, mm-hmm. man. Or we could have been cops, or we could have been whatever. But no, we couldn't have been anything. Mm-hmm. That part really stuck with me a lot. Um, and then the the language, it was just like, like trying to make sense of, for a long time, what the beautiful black woman thing was. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that compliment that, quote, whatever, that um, came before the trauma in two of the situations like that was 
I just I still don't know what you know what to make of that mm-hmm. and what people and how that what that had to say about like about size and mm-hmm. uh, like know. would that have happened if you were in a slim body, a skinny mm-hmm. body, mm-hmm. a bigger body? Mm-hmm. Like what did that mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, a lot of people don't name body size as an identity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious about how, for you, that shows up. Because we definitely have a size population. Like, yes. there's a specific figure. And, and it's and it's classed and gendered and race. And race. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So right. there's a specific figure that black culture says black women mm-hmm. should have. There's a specific figure that hegemonic culture says exactly. women should have. Mm-hmm. I think that for me I'm always aware of like uh, not always aware but I noticed um, the ways that my clients or white students or younger students especially as I'm getting older and, and taking on more like getting some more positions of power um, like status in a classroom or in a counseling room or whatever like the way that they might take to me and like mm-hmm. how that relates to my body size mm. and that um, or um, I think about just being in, in the field of psychology, um, like there's this all the you know emphasis on holistic wellness, mm-hmm. which is important. But being so how can I you know so just questioning my ability or, or how others perceive me when I talk about mm. their wellness in a holistic way um, and how they might be judging my physical health and ability to give that advice or or to give advice about wellness in any component, mm-hmm. right? that comes up um but as uh, a black woman and down here maybe more so than when I was in Maryland I feel like you can be this side like I feel mm-hmm. I have I've always been fairly confident and like proportion good proportions so mm-hmm. that I'm still attracted to, to been attracted to people and mm-hmm. felt like a good level of self-esteem um but I know that that's like it's it, it changes in mm. where you are. So, like, mm-hmm. down south, it's even it's even better down here, yeah. right? <laughs> like, hey, like, yes. I like all that uh-huh. right there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it so, can get it can get complicated when people fetishize it. Fetishize it. Um, and, again, and, <laughs> and it's, like, a thing of how much is it some internalized thing of me wondering how professional and, uh, you know, you look at unconscious bias studies and, overweight versus like quote unquote normal white people and how they get ranked for in interviews and things like that so like Mm -hmm. how am I being perceived as a professional and someone who takes care of themselves or whatever like you know that and is that happening or is that other things of society socialization Mm -hmm. internalized sizeism whatever Mm -hmm. so it shows up a lot wow so we've got all that makes you, you, all these intersections. Mm-hmm. And as you are today, what does love mean to you? Mm. Love means... Uh, gosh, love is survival. Love is goodness. Love mm, is... Survival. Uh, yeah. I see love as... Like the, the act of being intentional with some with someone or towards mm-hmm. something. Um, 
think. Such a good question. Mm -hmm. Me is one of the biggest questions. Yeah. For me, love is being like supported and cared for. Mm -hmm. um, love is seeing like what's that being seeing mm -hmm. seeing the people that you're around, hearing, caring, or like it's like. It's not just seeing, but it's like once you see being accountable to something, maybe like had, like mm. like if you've seen or been exposed to something, then I feel like love is being accountable to that thing you've been gifted to being exposed to. Mm, okay. Um, Break that down for me. Like, how would you exemplify that? Yeah. So, like thinking of acts of love this week that, mm -hmm. or, um, I'm thinking about like a Muslim student here that so an act of love is being exposed to what is what Donald Trump is doing to our Muslim friends and family and feeling like you know so how can I be accountable to the people who are being impacted by this mm -hmm. and so it, it means checking in or doing the thing that you already know because of the relationship that you already have might be helpful for someone um, or it's, you know, taking my car to get an oil change because my, for my, my partner doing that because mm -hmm. he's being accountable to me because he knows he's seen me and knows my needs and what I won't do. And mm -hmm. so it's just like, mm, I didn't think responsibility, I haven't said this, but I didn't think responsibility was such a thing for me, but mm -hmm. I guess it's, it really is because mm -hmm. that's what I feel like. Love is, in a way, accountability, responsibility, mm -hmm. the same sort of thing. Like, but it's also the same thing as care. It's the same thing as love. That that's love for me. Got it. Yeah. I want to start unpacking survival, which is where you began. Yeah. Love is survival. Yeah. For whom and how? God. Um, I think love is survival for everyone uh, because, I mean. thinking about myself, thinking about clients, thinking about friends, just like the times that we are, that people are at their brink of, like, the extreme of maybe not wanting to be here on this mm -hmm. earth or not doing well here or coping in ways that aren't good or whatever. It's like, because they're not experiencing love, they're yeah. not connected to something, there's not something else to fill that gap. Um... And so and can anything fill it? Right. And maybe there or maybe or yeah, I'm sure there is. Something else that could fill a gap of love? Not something else besides love. Yeah. It has to be love mm -hmm. or a showing of love, but do yeah, who do, do they have access to it or I don't know. But survival is like maybe it's more than survival. It's like Love is a thing that will let you do more than just survive, too. Mm. So it's survival in that, like, you you have something to live for, you mm -hmm. want to live, because mm -hmm. you, like, you are a part of some relationship that might be loving, or you believe in love, which, in terms of, like, a hope for something, mm -hmm. or even if it's love of God, like, having something to love or hold on to or be connected to. Um, but then 
to go beyond survival is like maybe that's maybe there's a a correlation between the things that people do and strive toward and mm-hmm. the amount of love that they have mm. or the that like repository or whatever like if yeah. there's anything there because if I don't know the people who are struggle who struggle who don't go who don't who aren't able to push who are maybe just barely surviving mm-hmm. I feel like once they have a little bit more like the work or magic of counseling is connecting people with mm-hmm. people or love or resources or something in themselves that allows them to love and see themselves. That's the change. Yeah. So, I don't know. So it's like without the presence of love or the perceived presence of love, I don't know which it is actually. Mm-hmm. There's failure to thrive mm-hmm. or there could be the possibility that one won't thrive yeah, increases. I think so. I definitely think and so. And some people thrive in pursuit of love. Mm-hmm. So that hope that you named mm-hmm. is like, if I just do this next yes. thing, even though I don't feel it now, right. maybe I'll be loved. Right. And then that striving mm-hmm. can get closer to it. Yeah. yeah. But, mm-hmm. And then, so that piece of it, the responsibility, the accountability, the care, all are showing like the way you show up mm-hmm. as a loving person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. You had this look on your face, mm-hmm. like you had another piece you were about to pull out of I, the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. I actually just zoom, was zooming out, like what? Such I don't. It's such a. It's a question you're never asked, mm-hmm. and it's like an opportunity, and I don't wanna. So I'm zooming out, like is that picture of love that the best picture of love I have mm-hmm. that I want to give or put, you know sometimes you tell a story and it's like and that was love or yeah. something you know sometimes yeah. you have a moment and you're just like hmm. mm-hmm. Nothing else is popping out right mm-hmm. now, but I may come back to it. Yeah. When you said that, for me, it made me think of all these psychological studies of babies mm-hmm. and monkeys mm-hmm. and mice who, without affection, yes. without love, mm-hmm. just D- perished. Yeah. <laughs> perished. Yeah. Yes. And even with, I mean, yeah. It's real. It's Mm -hmm. it's real. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to choose what felt more soft and comforting mm -hmm. than the one that provided physical, like, nourishment. Yeah. I'm thinking of that particular, was that Harlow study? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, demonstrating. Yes. I need this. What we need. Yeah. Above and beyond. Sustenance. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is my sustenance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... And I don't know, I'm just, like, thinking about, work, you know, working in the Baltimore schools and just, that's where I saw, I think, some of the hardest cases or, mm-hmm. like, situations that students had went through where I feel like they did not, people who, like, persistently and and were largely, largely, their stories were, like, overwritten with, not all, but for some people having stories that were so devoid, so void of, of love, of connection, mm-hmm. of touch, 
Oh, mm-hmm. I've touched. Oh my gosh. Even I did a volunteered for an alternative spring break trip mm-hmm. to Selma a couple years ago and volunteered at a daycare center. Oh, that was just like overrun. Like had so many kids and so few people working, but it was like these older black women doing the best they can mm-hmm. to provide for this community. And like these and going into that space and seeing these kids who are kind of sitting in these, t- you know, the tables that have the chairs built into mm-hmm. the table. And so they're mm-hmm. not able to move and touch each other <coughs> for the majority of the day because they're just trying to keep things in place and mm-hmm. get through the day. Or, and so going in there and then, like, being able to take them out of that that seat mm-hmm. and, like, the way that they, like, swarm, like, mm-hmm. just for the t- Like, they just, it, it, you can just tell. They were needing that. They were needing it so bad, just the closeness, just the just the tactile. Um, and that was so heartbreaking. Um, and you could see the difference from them mm-hmm. sitting isolated in those seats, you know, hitting the person next to them, or mm-hmm. or you could see in the, the pain in the faces of these babies, basically. I've long conceptualized fighting as a desire for touch. Yes. I don't know. I haven't been able to explain it, but when I think about, mm-hmm. in part- I always think about it in black context first mm-hmm. because that's my context. Mm-hmm. When I think about young boys fighting each other, yeah. like that might be the only time they get some connection, like some physical touch. Gosh, I haven't thought about it in that way. You know what I mean? Like that yes. wrestle position where you're just like yes. hitting somebody, but you're really hugging that person. Yeah. And it's hitting them too. Right. And, and, it does, like, and then these are your friends. Most of the time, if mm-hmm. you're fighting, it's your group. Mm-hmm. Or it's your friends or it's your block. is the people you're starting to be rocking with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I could see. Wow, that's interesting. But, yeah, to think uh, about those babies. But to watch the change. Mm-hmm. Such a physical Running representation. Like, piling on, like, mm-hmm. these four women who are in this room now, like, just piling over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, love is survival, mm-hmm. thrival, mm-hmm. things that help you grow. Yeah. It's that picture of the kids is that I come back to that, like needing a hug, needing somebody to acknowledge you with their hand. Yes. And I think. Yeah, that's soothing. Mm-hmm. If you believe in the creation story of God creating man with hand, mm-hmm. like out of all things that were spoken, human yeah. being, humankind yeah. was like, I'm going to use my yeah. hands mm-hmm. to fix this. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. It is metaphorical, too. but it, yeah. I mean, it's like, hmm, right. There's... that means something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But animals do it too. Animals yeah. like to snuggle up yes. in a little bunch, a little bunch yeah. of puppies laying on each other, hanging yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. What would the world look like? What would it be like? If it loved you, if it loved by black, beautiful, overweight, middle class, doctoral candidates, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the things you are, what would the wow. world? If the world loved me, mm, it would let me see more of me. Mm. See it where? Um, everywhere, in in all the spaces, mm-hmm. I would see more of me at the doctor's office. I would see more of me um, on the TV. I would see in different roles. I would see, uh, yeah, it would just there wouldn't if the world loved me, it would show me that there's different ways of being any 
and he took any of my identities, mm-hmm. but there's different ways of being that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all for all of it. For when we take them apart, it's narrow. It's narrow views of, of yeah. each of them. Yeah. Um, so there would be representation of you yeah. in all the spaces. All the spaces. Mm-hmm. Any um, spaces that stand out, like, that would really make a difference, right? Yeah. So in kitchens, mm-hmm. for sure going back to Baltimore work, just like working in a space where it's like all these great, well-meaning white people and all these black kids and... Is that what the teacher pool looks like there? At this this particular school that I was at, yeah, very much so. Um, Counselors and social workers and everybody, like in in that particular school was very, Mm -hmm. but it was probably over 90% black school. Hmm. Um... So, so then, if there's others, then when I come into those spaces, I'm able to add or join on to something that's already going, and I don't know, like, I wouldn't, uh, if the world was for me, I wouldn't have to go into so many spaces trying to, like, be or find a solution for mm-hmm. the future me's, mm-hmm. and that's what I feel like I'm always doing in every space, mm-hmm. and other folks don't have to do that, and that's tiring, and what yeah. else could I be doing if I wasn't doing that? Um, so, having to... Fix it when it wasn't a problem you created. Yeah. Yeah, not having to fix it. Not having to fix the problem that I didn't create. Relieving some of that responsibility would Mm -hmm. be a more loving world for me. Um, So I think I'm hearing you talk about both human representation and also systemic, like, mm -hmm. overhaul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. If, can, if people thought about the way that they do, what they, if all the people who use the word diversity in their life or social justice in, the li- in their life thought about the way that they did that and had mm-hmm. some, I don't know, I don't have the answer, but mm-hmm. if they had something else, <laughs> if they, if those people who already have this quote, at least a verbal something about diversity, social justice, doing things differently, if they, I don't know. What they need, having another awareness, having a commitment, they went with their awareness, had whatever, whatever, whatever. Found. Yeah. Like but, if they committed to a less convenient definition. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. I was struggling. Yes, that's. So I feel like people want to use it, but they they use it in a way that's the absolute most convenient, where it looks like something has happened, but it's the least I can't explain exactly what I mean but like the the smallest step smallest they have to change this, yes. in a lot of ways yeah. and then it's like now I can use this word and feel a sense of belonging yeah. to a movement yeah because it is that. a movement mm-hmm. and it's like but it's not moving if people are just taking the language mm-hmm. and not doing anything yeah. or um, doing things inconsistently or doing things that might be helpful in some way but harm, are very harmful in mm-hmm. other ways like So, representation, systems, anything mm-hmm. else? If you get to design this world, mm-hmm. what it would be? Um, I think that it would like it would teach whether that's more families teaching, more schools teaching, more churches teaching. It would just teach more of the more empathy, more self awareness, mm-hmm. more. 
you know, knowledge, yeah, knowledge of self and like self love as a it would be in like an overt priority, mm-hmm. um, and it would come from so many different spaces that in the ways that gender norms come from so many different places, mm-hmm. if love and empathy, um, care, seeing, connection, the skills that allow that to happen were, mm-hmm. um, yeah, pushed in the same ways that some some of these less useful ones are. So practice mm-hmm. in a lot of different places. Yeah. And then you said, like, in the way there's socialization, you're socialized to be empathic. Yeah, like, what, what would it be if, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just too removed from it. Maybe there's things, maybe this happens, and I don't know, but, like, I'm teaching cultural competence in healthcare, and I'm t- teaching what empathy is mm-hmm. to people who don't know what empathy is, and I'm, um, like, teaching just how to ask questions mm-hmm. or, like, ask questions in a respectful way to another person. Um, and also how to ask questions about what's going on in the world. And those, I don't know where that's being taught, but I'm like, if people could just get that, if it, if that was a responsibility, if that came with the same parenting classes, mm-hmm. if that was part of the parenting classes, or if that was a part of the Sunday school lessons in a more like overt way. Um, if people empathize with children, that would be a ground-level goodness that right there. That would be there. great, right? Because mm-hmm. then we're just learning something different than this power structure mm-hmm. of I boss you, I rule you, and you can't think for yourself, and you don't have anything to contribute. Mm-hmm. And for, I think, a lot of brown folks and folks on the margins, those messages that start for everyone with just parents can just continue and boom out because mm-hmm. it's coming from every you know factor. Mm-hmm. Facet of society. There's a lot of barriers to empathy. I don't know the names of all of them. Mm-hmm. But, like, empathy seems to be very hard mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. It is. Um, and not just privileged folks. No. <laughs> uh, no. It's, mm-hmm. it's like if you have, I don't know. I'm I'm curious about how people who experience oppressions, lack empathy for others who are oppressed in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm less, I'm more curious about people who are oppressed and who feel, who get oppression as who get intersectionality and feel like we're all interconnected mm-hmm. and like how they, and so that's what I'm just studying and interested right. in. But what of the other, like what mm-hmm. is this other thing? Mm. Empathy seems like if you're not well that it costs you something mm-hmm. it takes energy to empathize with it people does. It and does. it's like the way I'm understanding it as we're talking through it is does this person deserve the energy that it would take to empathize and we have a lot of ways we go about saying, nope, they don't. Mm-hmm. So I get to relieve myself yeah. of that. Yeah. You know, like, we yes. do a good job as humans of seeking out ways that people don't deserve yeah. empathy. I'm wondering for you, what are some identities and others that you might struggle to love? Mm-hmm. 
think that I probably struggle to love just those like saying people who I haven't been able to connect with haven't mm-hmm. had as much exposure to and and so I think I struggle to love I just struggle initially with like uh, the in. Like, what is, I struggle to love people or groups of people who aren't easily accessible to me mm-hmm. or, and aren't making themselves vulnerable if, if they are accessible to me but aren't, like, open and vulnerable. And so mm-hmm. that's just harder for me to, like, I, like, I need to sit, I want to sit with you, I want to know you, I want to mm-hmm. whatever. Or, or maybe it's I'm learning about, you as quote unquote as a person or as a group through media or whatever but like do I have what am I able to look at and see Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's like a type of person or people or things that people do that like are hard for me because I don't know I I love everybody Mm -hmm. I'm big old softy and I like can love everybody but like it's I struggle to like going back to the current climate and like Muslim students and this campus and things that are going on thinking about like um, struggling to love the Muslim students here who need the love because but more so because how how do I how do I put myself in that position to, how do I make myself open how do I there's like a desire to reach out is that what I'm hearing um, yeah, I, there's a desire. I guess I, like, I'm always looking, looking for openings and I struggle when, when they're harder to find. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know what the opening looks like? Uh, I actually, they show up all the time. I'm like, like I the, get the it, but just like the, describing the it. opening is the person who actually looks at you and says hello at Starbucks. Like that's an opening, mm-hmm. um, or the people in classes, people at work. Those are all openings. The the committees, the these are all openings. But like, or going to a so going to an event that like the Muslim Student Association is putting on. That's an opening, and. The struggle is making the connections once the opening is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's sort of a cop out, and so I'm trying to think of who else, like if there's people, specific people that I struggle to mm-hmm. to love. Um, I think I struggle to love elderly folks mm-hmm. um, because of my my age, my like. Impatience. I'm mm-hmm. an impatient person, mm-hmm. and so dealing with some other folks, you have to be more patient and slow down. And I talk fast and I move fast, and I've always been. Uh, my cousin called me Go Go Gadget Della, just like always on the go. And so that's it's harder for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's a, what does it take for you to slow down mm-hmm. to be able to connect if that's what you see as the need there? Mm-hmm. I identify with that, but I'm just wondering. Yeah. 
thoughts. Take some other pressure. Honestly, it takes like a nudge from someone else or like something going on with like maybe that elderly person in my life mm -hmm. who like it has to be something extra going on for mm -hmm. me to be there. Um, I feel that though, yeah. where it's like, so there's a generational gap, mm -hmm. but then you're right. There's a a stiffening, a slowing that typically happens mm -hmm. to your mind and body, mm -hmm. even your language. Absolutely. Over time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it can be easy to find yourself frustrated. Mm -hmm. And. A lot of the older people in my life are have strong values that they've had for a long time. Not that they're bad or whatever, but mm -hmm. they just like there's not a lot of. I like having these growth-inducing mm -hmm. conversations, and like, and I can grow in, in ways from those conversations. But like, it's you know from the setup, they're they're not looking to you know they're mm -hmm. they're a seventy-five-year-old person who's mm -hmm. good on good on where they are and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's like, man, that's not as fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. So some rigidity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rigidity, but people—it's hard. It's harder to love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I feel like I'm such the opposite in the other way. Like I can, can I want? Yeah, I'm intentional about um, meeting young folks and seeing young folks mm -hmm. and connecting with them, and like. That's a bias that I definitely have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like to name that, to kind of think through it? Because you're like, oh, I feel like I'm copping out. Yeah. And then you came to that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that would be the thing. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to <laughs> own. Um, because I think when I, when I think about this and things like this in the past, it's like um, this, my, um, this being thinking about a group of, you know, or people who it's hard to connect with mm -hmm. in one way or another. Um, I think about, like, a specific person. But in this moment, I'm like, so I, in my head, I would say, um, you know, I can't, I don't connect with X, right, mm -hmm. X person. But mm -hmm. this this zooming out is allowing me to see, yeah, it's this and that auntie so-and-so and professor so-and-so mm -hmm. and whatever and it's all around and so these people are all the same age and so it's it's good it's good awareness because mm -hmm. i just don't think i i made it more individual before for myself mm -hmm. um, so it's like you take a step back and then you see that there's a common thread yeah it's like oh cool yeah okay. <laughs> look at that mm -hmm. Della. and And when it's individual, it's like, okay, um, I can do this thing, or, or I'm choosing not to do this thing mm -hmm. about it. But what if I see something as like a more global, then it's like responsibility again. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, mm -hmm. you can do something about this because this is a real thing for yeah. you. So that's, that's good. And what you named for me is that you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah. And you get an opportunity to choose what you do with your discomfort. Yes. Now that you've named it. Yes. Recognizing that I might always feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Until you become that age and you know what's <laughs> going to happen. That's the unique right. thing about age, right? Yes. You can I'm get there. there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
you can age into a marginalized status. Mm-hmm. 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 And then what do you want yeah. to have been your relationship with that yes. before? Yeah, I can mm-hmm. empathize with that now. Mm-hmm. Last question. What do you love most about you? Hmm. That is a terrible and great question. <laughs> well, what makes it both? What makes it terrible and great? It's terrible because you said most, and so I can't rattle the list. Um, and best because, yeah, I like to reflect on good things about me. Mm-hmm. So, I think I love my the, the, the lens that I've grown the most about myself um so it's still again cop-out answer a way of saying everything but I love that like the experience I just I think that the experiences that I have being being in this body being of my parents being from Rockford um having Baltimore work experiences living in Kentucky going from experiencing this form of oppression to that form and like back again and um, I don't know, having, I have, and the education, and just, I don't, I, I think I love the lens that I have, because I think it allows me to, to love, it allows me to sustain myself, it allows me to build others up, mm-hmm. and, and I love being able to do all those things, and I wouldn't if it, if it wasn't for that congealing that happened. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Big answers. <laughs> yeah. You love where you're from, who you're from, where you've been, where you're going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What you've learned, good, yes. bad, ugly, and great. <coughs> that I'm, right, that, that I think those things allow resilience. Mm-hmm. And that I know that, that I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that I can take care of myself because of all of these things. And mm-hmm. take care of others because of all of these things. So the resilience is almost the capstone mm-hmm. of all that got you to today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And the thing you carry with you. I think so. Mm-hmm. And the strength. Yeah. Yes. <coughs> I always wonder when people talk about resilience and strength, do they feel gratitude for having them? Resentment for having to have had them, excuse me, or both, mm. or not neither. I think gratitude <coughs> is definitely there, and I don't know how much of it is a a cognitive trick. Mm. Mm. To be grateful for it, to, you know, because what it happened, mm-hmm. and I'm out of it, and so it better take something from it, or mm-hmm. else, or else, what might it do to you, right? Um, so yeah, there's a gratitude there, but I'm like, it's a questionable. Is it how? What other purposes is the gratitude serving? Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a. I'm. In a way, I I do feel like. 
grateful for those experiences because, I don't know, it's just, I feel like they're things that others are experiencing. And so it's an, I think exposure is a gift in a way. Mm. And so I have a gratitude for that, like having an awareness of this experience or that experience. Or that's why I like connecting and joining with people and hearing their stories because mm -hmm. I want that exposure. And I feel like that's... It's not a thing you can buy. Mm -hmm. Experiences aren't things you can buy necessarily, or maybe you can help facilitate some of them, but it's right. like different. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, I've gotten things from that. It's helped me to have that perspective, to have the perspective that is fueling me now. Yeah. And yeah, I resent it. Like, because someone I didn't have to have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's not fair. To show up in the things. same room at the same time, they didn't have to have exactly. it. Exactly. The students who were taking the whatever the next hurdle we were taking in our program after that experience I had with, that mm -hmm. I shared, like, I didn't have to, so I resent, I resented that mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and held some things, held some resentments towards others around that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely both. Mm -hmm. But you're here. Oh, yeah. Yes. And they helped that. And they definitely helped that. Mm -hmm. And then, <coughs> and hopefully they'll help less black girls to have that mm -hmm. well I think that's a good place to wrap up thank you so much for joining me thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you for joining us to connect and contribute go to howtolovehuman.com <laughs>